Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. Hopefully a less echoey episode than yesterday with my voice, but it'll be more of a cacophony with a full house in the building. I am joined by my co-host Drake and my co-host Dave. Gentlemen, it's wonderful to have you here. And listeners, it is wonderful to have y'all here. So many of you have joined us recently, and as promised, we are going to keep bringing you great content day after day, Monday through Friday on YouTube. If you're there, thumbs up the video, hit the subscribe button, and turn on notifications so you get notified when we go live. If you're on the podcast, make sure you're following on your platform of choice so you get to hear us every day in the top of your queue, Monday through Friday. And today's topic is all about transfers. We're going to start off by talking about transfer-wide receivers. Y'all have heard my opinion on them. I'll throw some cards up here. You can see previous episodes where I break down each one. Now I want to hear from the rest of the group. You're also We're also going to talk about the quarterback position. We've seen comment after comment. Y'all want to hear, are we getting a transfer quarterback? Do we need a transfer quarterback? We're going to break that down. And then finally, we are going to play the field and say, hey, what do each of us want to see Florida State add to this roster before the end of the spring? Drizzy, roll the video. Let's do this for the people. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, boys, it's good to have you all back here, folks. Thank you again for listening. Wherever you choose to listen from, we are happy that you make Locked On Seminoles part of your day. Today, we are brought to you by our title sponsor, NetSuite. Also, shout out to Drake and I's fight out brother, Vinny Lay. I saw on uh, LinkedIn that he took a job with NetSuite today. Weird, but hey, man, if you're listening, congratulations, buddy. It's good to have you here. Um, Guys, I've talked about this topic ad nauseum. I want to hear each of y'all talk. Uh, Drake, I know you wanted to talk about Micah Pittman because you felt like, I don't think I was negative about Micah Pittman, but I I felt like I was very... um, like mid worst case scenario. Like I was like, Hey, here's, you know, I, I wasn't optimistic whatsoever. So you're a little more optimistic about him. Can you kind of talk about what you've seen from him and why that is and what you expect? Yeah. Yeah. I think he took a little more of the Debbie Downer approach that me and David had all season about the coaching staff. Um, but with, I'm glad with you my- acknowledge that. I think it was more like, I, I, sorry to cut you off, but like I, with wide receivers, I'm more like everyone just, I'm more negative about the staff's ability to develop them, not these kids. No, that, no that's fair. That's fair. I mean, my thing with Michael Pittman, like overall, is that he really hasn't had a true QB run in the offense, which I think probably could be the one concern you might be having if this was Jordan Travis from a year ago, not the Jordan Travis that we saw this past season, primarily because he's probably one of the few wide receivers actually out there that can legitimately have get legitimate separation actually across the middle as a deep threat. And also, he brings the, you know the different the different sort of you know dynamic as the, in the punt return and kick return game, which you know is the primary reason why we lost a majority of our games, especially the Florida game. He also is probably more you're more dependable and with the hands. He's a great great wide receiver. And to me, Anthony Brown and that offense was very run heavy, you know, kind of option because they kind of had that better option back there. So I think, to me, in my personal opinion, that you sold him a little short. Now I do think like we, we saw what happened with a Andrew Parchman who didn't live up to our lofty expectations. But this is someone actually had more production than Andrew Parchman. So I think you're kind of selling him a little bit short. That was kind of more my gripe with the entire thing. Yeah, Max, to to Drake's point, it would be worth using a scholarship just on a punt returner. I mean, after what returner, I need a I just want a punt catcher. Just catcher, right. Literally catch them and don't let the ball roll backwards. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Or don't don't muff it. So he didn't put up huge receiver numbers at Oregon. 
you know, if he contributes big time in the in the receiving game, that's just a bonus. But having a guy back there that you know knows when and when not to catch a punt and maybe can return one without dropping it, that's a huge plus, and we haven't had that in a long time. We haven't had that since Greg Reed, right? Yeah. No, that's that, that's true, and I don't expect a Greg Reed type situation. Yeah. But we have seen really how hard it is to just catch the ball. Um, just for y'all's reference, when you look at quarterbacks, last year, Micah Pittman played with Anthony Brown. So when I look at pro football focus, I, I'm just going to contextualize this for y'all. The couple receivers above and couple receivers below in pro football focus of Anthony Brown, so where he fit into the landscape as a passer, Sean Clifford at Penn State, uh, A.J. Mayer at Miami, Ohio, Dylan Morris at Washington, Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana, those types of guys. When I look at Jordan Travis's rating as a passer, Sorry. Oh, there we go. Uh, he was up there with guys like Malik Cunningham, Matt Corral, um, Jack Cohen, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, and actually Good five, company. Spots, five spots ahead of Sam Howell. So I won't bore you all with numbers and conversions, but you hear that second group of guys, that's a better group to be with than that first group of guys I read out. So I, I think your point is well taken, Drake, um, about him having a good quarterback to to maybe get some more stats. Um, and that's also actually, and sorry to cut you off real quick, that's, that, that's where it goes where PFF kind of goes, you know, because I'm not the biggest opponent of PFF because that's something that it's a lot more opinion based than most of your other advanced, yeah. um, advanced metrics. But watching Anthony Brown actually actually be a QB and that lines up with a Sean Clifford, a Michael Penix, and I forgot the other kid you said they have from Miami, Ohio. Yeah. That kind of goes to what I saw was very, very mediocre QB play. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So again, I'm, I'm excited about these guys, but I, you know, we'll know about the Dugans contract soon. I just... I don't think Mike Norvell. All right, so let me put it this way. I watched Alex Atkins' interview today, and it was a good interview. If you have a chance to watch it, go check it out. First interview as the offensive coordinator. And he talked about Mike Norvell, and when he was, they asked him, when did you start talking about being an OC? And he said, the minute I got interviewed, in my first interview, Norvell said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up, basically? And everyone around the country um, that, that Atkins was talking to, he's like, hey, this guy said I could be an OC one day. Is he legit? And that was everyone's critique of Norvell. They're like, if he tells you that, he's going to help you become an OC one day. He's not just recruiting you. He's being... So I don't take Norvell as the kind of guy who would drag this out. If he wasn't going to renew Dugans, if Yak was going to move to receivers coach and Dugans was going to go on the way and we get a new running back coach, you'd think they'd announce it unless there's some... Drake, you might know, is there some legal element where if they announce he's not coming back, his agent could claim that's a firing and try to get buyout or... Cool. Yeah, um, I, love, I love also Dave is like, nope, nope. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I also want to talk about the other two receivers we got. I know that you were a little less optimistic about um, Johnny than I was. And, you know, I'm excited about his height, frankly. You said he was a glorified tight end. I think that's a fair critique. But, you know, I don't what, I, like, chime in here, guys. Like, what is a tight end today? Like, is Kyle Pitts really a tight end or is he a glorified receiver that's just super big? I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that one, that one. I don't, I don't see him lining up a tight end in this offense just because the amount our tight ends are asked to block and the amount they're asked to go over the middle. And he's like two twenty five, but it's six. Yeah. Seven, but he's also bulky. like the number one run blocking tight end in the country. So that's kind of like why I've also seen that. That's kind of what we use Jordan Wilson for. Yeah. Or he's, he, he's yeah, Greg. I guess Car you're right. He could be a Greg Carr even. And that's valuable. Just a guy that throw it up and hope if he's one-on-one -on -one that he's not going to, like somebody did this here, let them intercept it. He's at least going to try to make a play on the ball. He's 6'7". Who the hell can defend that?
No, exactly. And, and, that, yeah. and that wasn't Parchment's fault. Like my, my issue with Parchment was you can't coach size. Like you can't yeah. make Parchment. And I said this on several episodes, like you can't make Parchment six foot five. Cornerbacks today are six foot one, six foot two. Look at Jalen Ramsey types. Look at the guy from Florida, that savage. I hate saying good things about a Florida player, but the guy that picked off Parchment was an 18, 19 year old kid that just threw a 23 year old man off of him and grabbed the football from him. Like you can't coach that. That's just that's just a physicality level that you have to be 6'4", 6'5", to fight through. Um, and yeah, and then that brings us to our last one, Deuce Span. He's only got five catches, and they've been five, literally two touchdowns, and one was a yard away from being a touchdown. But it's like, okay, just because the roulette wheel is hit black three out of five times doesn't mean it's going to keep coming up black. So you got to like... You know, Too are soon. you betting on black there? Or are you saying, sorry, yeah, Bahamas wasn't that long ago, I guess. It was um, But no, I, I think he's a really interesting case, and I think he remains to be seen. But are my fears invalid about he's the type of kid that you, you need a great coach for, and Ron Dugans may not be that guy to get the best out of him? Yeah, I mean, look, he could be good. I hope he's good. But, you know, they call it a highlight tape for a reason. That's they well, showed the five every catch he's ever made. Right. They showed real, the five catches short, he's ever like made. Drake can talk more about this. There are legitimate receivers in the transfer portal, including that kid from Oklahoma. What's his name? Mario. Mario Williams. There's legitimate receivers with a proven track record of ability to play that position at a high level. And the problem with our receiver room isn't that we lack potential. It's that we lack productivity and guys that we know can play receiver. Josh Burrell may end up being a great receiver. He has a lot of potential. We don't know, though. And that seems to be the case with everybody in the room who's young right now is we just don't know. We do know that we have Keyshawn Helton and Ontario Wilson, but we know that those guys aren't going to light it up. Yep. They'll have moments. But do Span, could he be good? Yes. Do we know that he will? Definitely not. Yeah. yeah, and I, Max, I think that's a le- that is a legitimate concern. And today's point about there are other kids in the portal. Like you had a Mario once from Oklahoma. You have a Tyrese Chambers who I think pulled his name out from FIU. You have a Taj Harris who I think the staff was on, but I don't think he can make it into spring currently. You know, we're given I think I think uh, Newberg from two four seven discussed those academics, but I'm not one hundred percent sure either. But it's more my concern that we hear that he was given sort of like you know a oh we're gonna have these backup you know QB plans for you kind of these kind of packages. And to me, someone that is already converting from QB to wide receiver should be focused on learning the playbook as a wide receiver, especially with that size. He runs like a 4-3 apparently from high school. So to me, like, and that leads me to my other concern where if you're going to have him as your backup emergency QB, how worried are you about getting someone through the transfer portal actually as a QB? Yeah, and, and I will say what that face was, was um, you would think that Mike Norvell, of all people, would understand how difficult the position of wide receiver is. I mean, I've harped on this over and over again that, Wide receiver is not running back. No offense to my running backs out there. It's a pretty simple position. Most running back coaches will tell you their job is to recruit five-star kids and let them be five-star athletes at the running back position. That's not the case with wide receiver. You got to have a coach that knows what he's doing. And I'm with you. I don't want a kid doing half his time at quarterback, which is a super complicated position. And then half his time trying to learn how to be a wide receiver. I'm going to say one last thing, and then we can move on. Um, well, first, Dupree Hundo, thank you for your comment. Dugans is the problem. Warren Thompson, DJ Matthews played better after they transferred, and some more Terry regressed under Dugans. Totally agree. Last wow. point I'll make before we move on. Uh, I should tell you something that you, t- you two both have a list, literally you both rattle off like three names, of other receivers that are more talented than we've gotten that you would like to see us get. None of them are 
even thinking about coming to Florida State, and none of the ones that have come here have named Ron Dugans as the reason they've come here. So that mm-hmm. should tell you something. Um, the talented ones know who our coach is. The ones that are coming here are like, yeah, it was all the other coaches that made me want to come here or my high school teammate. Now, I want to get into the quarterback situation, Drake. I think you set us up for a good segue. But first, folks, I want to remind you, if you're getting a little hungry on your way to work right now and you don't have built Bars in your desk, you got to fix that. I'm like your mom at this point. I'm just telling you, hey, fuel up with something fit and fantastic and be ready for the day. Built Bar's got like 20-something flavors at this point, 17 grams of protein, 5 grams of carbs, 5 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. BuiltBar.com, LOCKED15. And after you've saved that 15% off your Built Bar order, you're going to want to save more money. So then you're going to go get the GetUpside app. It's actually, I, I use the GetUpside app today. And I was, I was a little skeptical because you're like, eh, cash back, what does that mean? Well, it gives you legitimate cash back for going to gas stations you probably go to anyway. So you download the GetUpside app, you use promo code SCORE, and you get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon in your first fill-up, which is $0.50 cents cash back per gallon if you use the gas station it tells you to use. And that's all it is. When you're going to get gas, you look, okay, what gas station's in my area? Boom, go to that one, get cash back. That's the GetUpside app, promo code SCORE. All right, I'm going to take the reins here for a second because Max deserves his 15 seconds of fame for his Jordan Travis take. We're going to talk quarterback right now, and if we need to take a transfer and something that I've been talking about, which is what does the world look like without Jordan Travis, that's a scary thought because Max was right. Jordan Travis is clearly QB1 at FSU, and go ahead and brag and revel. It's not, you know, I don't want to brag because it wasn't a crazy hot take. I think I want, I want to stand up for my boy JT and just say, guys, he's, he's developed a lot as a passer. It is hard to pass behind an offensive line where you get to set your feet once every five times. Jordan Travis used to refuse to set his feet two or three more of those five times. Now he's starting to get the happy feet down. We're seeing him develop as a passer. He's not perfect, but he is a good quarterback one. I, I asked myself this question. Every year I have for seven years now, 2013 was a whole different team. But I always say, if this person was on the 2014 or 15 team, do I think they'd be pushing to start? And do I think if they had to go in as a backup, would they be a detriment to the team? 14, I don't think he's starting. 15, I think at this point where he is, he would have been a few years older. He'd be pushing Frenchie to start on that 15 team. And I think on either of those teams, he wouldn't have made the team regress substantially in the game. He wouldn't have been Jameis, but it wouldn't have like the wheels wouldn't have fallen off under him. So that goes to what we were talking about before of we saw it happen with Francois as sophomore year against Alabama. The reality is if, like Jordan's a human. If he goes down against LSU, we need an answer there. We have, I mean, if he pulls a Derwin, Derwin James, RIP against an FCS team against Duquesne, like you don't know, he just, you know, QBs can get rolled up wrong. Things can happen. And I feel really, really sick to my stomach thinking about us doing this podcast and this YouTube show and looking ahead to nine weeks or 10 weeks of Tate Rodemaker as QB1. Because there's well, no free agency. You can't just go it, get one. You said, he's, you said he's a human. He's not just a human. He's a player in particular who puts his body on the line, who has been susceptible to injury, who at this point you should expect to miss plays, if not games, because of how he puts his body on the line. And... 
I don't know about you guys or anyone listening, doesn't seem to me like that's being taken into account in this transfer cycle. No, I don't think it. I don't think it is, and it's kind of it's worrisome. That's why I kind of go back to the Deuce Band thing, where he's bring you have emergency backup packages. Where it kind of seems like that's the writing is on the wall right now, where we don't that. have anybody coming in right now. And I'm really worried that honestly, the backup kid that we're gonna be having is AJ Duffy. And I think we've all discussed this that none of us think that AJ Duffy should see the field at all, like in actual in actual game, you know, situations this upcoming year. Not because he's not good, right? But because we don't want to do Blackman to him, right? We, uh, I don't want to put this uh, an 18 year old, 19 year old kid who's been. In, uh, I mean, he's an early enrollee. That's great. He's gonna have. The, he's had the playbook. I think since probably last May. That's that's great. But he's only gonna be in the in a weight the weight conditioning room since January. He's not gonna have the entire you know sort of the offense down, chemistry down. And we saw with Chuba, where literally Chuba on one play, kid was broken. Kid had a mm-hmm. collarbone issue, and now he's gone. So the last thing I want to do is put someone under fire like that when we had a Jack Miller as an option. There are rumors of Max Johnson coming down here. Hell, I think Michael Penix was also was also in the portal too, and he actually was almost coming to four State. So it's like I feel that they're not as super serious as they are when it comes to backup QBs. I, I I saw this a lot when I worked in politics right before my new job, and I we I constantly said we're letting perfect be the enemy of good, and I wonder if this staff hasn't done a little bit of that with the portal. I mean, who really knows who says no to who, right? Like. Everyone after a date, when there isn't a second date, always says like they were the one that like wasn't really feeling it, right? So we get reports of like the staff shrugging off Max Johnson or not wanting Michael Penix Jr. But you wonder like if that's legit, are you guys just waiting for something that isn't there? Are you just, I mean, you're really hoping the stars align, right? You're hoping that a guy like Jack Cohen goes into spring ball against some true freshman five-star or some like hot shot transfer loses his job and then decides to jump ship in April. And then you're hoping he can learn the playbook in the summer, which guys, how many times have we tried that at Florida state in the past 10 years, three times now we've tried summer transfer. It doesn't work. Summer transfers don't work. It just doesn't, just doesn't. They they don't work if they only have one year eligibility, and I think that's what happened right. with Andrew Parchment, especially because it's really hard to learn those concepts. And we saw he actually played better as the year progressed and towards the end of the season. I think from Miami on, but I agree with you. I'm in, in the camp that if you're going to grab somebody in the, like a quarterback, wide receiver, even a linebacker. By the way, shout out, we actually just got Tim Bethune, the US, UCF kid. Yeah, they need to come in early and roll to like learn the playbook a lot better and kind of have an instant impact a lot easier, a lot quicker. Well, and Max, adding on to what you said, the bigger concern to me isn't that we're trying to be perfect in the transfer portal. It's that the staff might be thinking, nah, we're good, which is like a crazy lack of situational awareness to me if they if they do think that. That's more what I think they are like. I don't know, man. I think that I think that's easy to say from the outside. I I Yeah, it is. I'm not ready to sell because that would be we're not just talking about Mike Norbell here, boys. We're talking about college football coaches who've been, you know, collectively the ele- the 10 of them on staff have, what, 180, 200 years of experience? Like, that would be a ton of collective experience to have this utter lack of situational awareness of, like, everyone knows you need a backup quarterback on this roster and you don't have one. I think that more because if Justin Fields can somehow leave Georgia and no one says no to him to keep him there, then any then anybody like below that kind of level, well, that can happen too. So that's kind of like more my thing with that because they college college makes make those mistakes 
all the damn time. Well, I mean, Kirby Smart is also notoriously awful. I mean, the whole it, whatever. That's all. We're not locked on Bulldogs. You guys can go listen to that if you want. I want to talk about this uh, this commit that we just got though. Linebacker Tatum Bethune, commit from UCF, six foot one, two hundred twenty five pounds. Uh, was he two hundred eighty one snaps last or three hundred eight snaps last year in coverage? Seventy seven as a pass rusher. Uh, 256 as a run defender. So guys, so this is a kid that's played 641 snaps at the power five level, which speaking of collective experience, that's huge for the floor of that room. So Drake, I want to let you kind of dive into it. I want to look at where he's going to fit in on this roster. But first I want y'all to picture something with me. Club championship, your father-in-law and your father are both members, right? The guy who taught you how to golf and the guy who you have to impress. You're about to win your match. You're about to sink a six-footer. You've knocked these down on the practice green all season, and this is money. And then, bloop, half falls over your eyes right as you're in your backswing. You know you're going to tap the ball. You have to try to, you know, swing through it. You do. You overcommit. You pull the putt. You miss it, and you are still the third level. Was that the alpha, beta? You're like the gamma in the men around the Thanksgiving table. Guys, if you have lack of visibility like that in your business, you're going to have a similar result. So you need NetSuite, the official partner of Locked On Network for all of your financial visibility needs. They can do inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. They'll give you everything you need to grow. And right now, NetSuite has special end-of-the-year financing if you go to netsuite.com slash locked. All right, man, so let's do it. Let's talk about Tatum Bethune we got kind of melancholy on the staff for a minute here, but I think this is a, it's a net positive. I read a few stats off before the break. Um, look, you need quality linebackers. You went and you got yourself what's probably a quality linebacker, especially compared to what you have. Drake, what do you think about this guy? I think he's pretty good. Uh, I actually like him a lot. I actually asked my little brother about it. My brother, he, as you know, went to UCF. He is good in coverage. He's one of the few kids that my brother actually was very actually happy about with Randy Shannon bringing in for recruiting purposes, and that's kind of also we see where the connection comes, why he wants to come back here. Also, Sabbath Joseph, a defensive analyst on staff right now, was his coach at Miami Central. This is a kid that isn't, you know, your typical barn burner. He's not super quick, but he excels in coverage, and also he kind of has like the one issue I had with Marcus Cushing last year was he had a one move and one move only. He couldn't turn to the left, but he only went to the right. But Tatum Bethune kind of has a myriad of sort of moves he can actually do when you do send him actually toward the quarterback. So that's, this is actually a huge pickup for me for someone that has not only the talent level, but the experience. Because I wouldn't be surprised if we see some kids from that room actually head out similar to how Greedy Vance might be pushing some kids out as well. Yeah, and Max, yeah. What, what have we talked about? Receiver, well, linebacker. Quantum computing. No, what have what have we we talked about quantum computing? But what have we talked about two positions more than anything? Receiver, yeah, get, receiver linebacker. linebacker. This kid was obvious. If we didn't get him, it would have been a ringing indictment. It just felt like we had to land this kid the moment he entered the portal. So yes, you're right, Max. We have criticized the coaches a lot this show. They deserve credit for making this obvious one happen. Sometimes yeah. when you're missing something, it's in the most obvious right. place. Right. It's well, that's so the thing, obvious, right? I'll give, I'll give you credit. I'll give them credit for a free throw here, right? Because you were in a scoring slouch or slump. Mm -hmm. And I said this, I believe, on Twitter. Here's the thing. Because I don't want to throw a parade for a guy doing what he's supposed to do, right? I think of like when you're evaluating performance, 
You don't get an exceeds expectations for meeting expectations. That's what you're paid to do is to meet a, is to do a really good job. You can do a great job and me say, okay, that's what you're supposed to, like, I expect that. Randy Shannon was this kid's re- primary recruiter. He was his linebackers coach and his defensive coordinator. If he didn't land this kid, Mike Norvell should have fired Randy Shannon right then. It, assuming you wanted him, which why wouldn't you want a kid that's played 600, or sorry, not played, this year played 685 snaps at the Power 5 level. 108 tackles. <laughs> right. You can't tell me you don't want that kid. Yeah, the kid's good. <laughs> so if he doesn't land him, like that literally would have been like, that is that kid saying, I played for this guy, don't want to do it again. That would have been, again, a, a pretty slam dunk indictment counselor. And I'm glad to see that. Just to put it in some context, folks, I'm looking at PFF. Y'all know those, that's the that's the main rating side I use for individual players. It's not perfect, but it's the best we've got. Tatum Bethune of UCF was 114th in the country among linebackers in overall defensive rating out of over 900 rated by PFF. So what does that put him in the in the top like 15, no, 15. Even, even lower, like 12%? That puts him in like the 88th percentile? That's pretty solid. I mean, again, PFF doesn't adjust for competition super well. It's not the P5. I, sorry, I said Power 5 earlier. I meant to say uh, FBS level. He's not in the Power 5. He's in the FBS. UCF plays some good games, and I'm excited about this pickup. And what I'm most excited about is y'all have heard me talk over and over again with transfers where I look at what did they do? Like, how how have they progressed year to year, right? Have they been getting better, or have they been kind of on that downward trajectory? And when I look at his year to year, he had, he was a 70.4 in 2019, saw a pretty large regression in 2020 down to 57.5, and jumped up to a 75, his best year ever um, this year. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, and and maybe most importantly, Max, look at his tackling grade. 76.3. If we don't get back to fundamentals, that's going to be a problem. Who was it we were talking about just today that announced they were coming back? Which linebacker was Leonard it? Leonard Warner. But he Leonard Warner. Line. He's a DN. Right. DN. But his tackling, if you look at him, has been a real problem. And that is seems to be a problem with our linebackers all the time. And this kid is a short tackler. And if nothing else, again, worth using a scholarship on. No, yeah, he's, wanna... he's, a, he's a very, very solid pickup. I mean, he was second in the conference of tackles overall. He's 21st in the country nationally, I think, with like 9.2 tackles per game. He's someone that's consistently around the ball. And quite honestly, we would always be worried about like a Stephen Dix Jr., a DJ Lundy, and a Mark Gaynor at times where they were nowhere near the ball because they weren't athletic enough to kind of, kind of, kind of be towards the ball. So yep. this would be someone I'm really excited to see paired up with a Candeloach. Maybe Lundy takes a further step. Maybe we see JGM, you know, further up. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're not done yet with linebackers because we definitely need them. And them and wide receivers are probably our most pressing needs right now through the portal. And a quarterback. That's, we got yeah, a quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. yeah, we do. And last thing I'll say about this kid, because uh, I found this, lined up at 99 snaps on the D-line last year and had a pass rush grade of 77.3, um, which would have put him as a pass rusher uh, at like eighth on our team, right in front of um, right in front of Robert Cooper. No, what did I say? 77.3. Sorry, that would have put him at sixth on our team, yeah. seventh on our team, right behind Jermaine Johnson, right in front of True Thompson. So, um, yeah, no, that's a that's a heck of a uh, – I don't know if he's an amazing player, but it's a heck of a piece given our needs. I think – is that a fair way to summarize it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Cool. All right, folks. Well, we had some decent news at the beginning. We got a little critical in the middle, and then, thank goodness, 8 p.m. rolled around, and we landed a huge linebacker recruit. So we get to send you all off – 
with some good news. Folks, thank you for watching. Make sure you're following us on the podcast app. Make sure you're subscribed on the YouTube app. Make sure that you like the individual video. Follow our Twitters. I got to bring my chin up because I sit too low in my chair. And make sure that you come back to Locked On Seminoles five days a week, Monday through Friday. We love having you here. We love being here. That was Drake. That was Dave. I'm Max. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. And Dylan Gimmons, thanks for the follow. Oh, no. We suck again at basketball. We always did.